You are listening to Mark Hatmaker Rough and Tumble Raconteur. This is a grab bag of old school Western martial arts, resurrected indigenous ways and empirical musings tinged with a heavy dose of respect, admiration, let's call it hero worship, for these hosses of yore. Crew, this is Mark Hatmaker coming to you from the Comancheria. Today, we're going to talk training scars. That's a cool topic, huh? Uh, the kind of training scars we're talking about here could also be called task saturation or cognitive tunneling. And we're going to get to a Comanche technique for defeating this. Now, let's start with a couple of definitions. Firstly, training scars are not the casual war wounds incurred in the day-to-day bumps and bruises of combat sports training and street operative preparation. I mean, those bumps, bruises, scrapes, abrasions, busted noses, lost teeth, etc. are collateral damage, accidents, part and parcel of the fun. You know, we're not talking all the little training scars that you can point to and uh, have your own version of the USS Indianapolis scene in Jaws. We're talking a cognitive quirk of the human mind. Training scars uh, can also be called path dependence. These refers to bad habits in our training. And of course, for our purposes, combat training. These training scars that will carry over from training to real-world application, much to our detriment. Now, training scars do not specifically refer to bad habits in the bad form sense of the actual training of your chosen combat endeavor. That is, for example, you know, if you're swimming your jab, which is, you know, leaving an open line as you fire, retract the jab, or sweeping out a plum, which is paying no attention to eye level when attempting to hit a sweep from the bottom side of a bottom scissors or a guard sweep. Now, there's such bad habits of technical execution. These are not training scars, so much as, well, just mistakes that need to be created pronto. Now, training scars refer specifically to bad habits built in the off moments of training, the perceived downtimes, the moments in between successful drill execution. So you can have great form in your actual tactics. So the area we're talking here where training scars can occur are in the downtimes. Now, training scars can be found in the best of practitioners and have nothing to do with bad form. So let's go to an example to illuminate. I mean, you and your partner are working a weapon disarm. It's your turn to disarm the weapon, which you do with a fight film choreography perfection. Then you bend over, pick up the weapon, and you offer it to your partner uh, for their turn at perfection. That bending down to pick up the weapon, that simple act of courtesy is a training scar. Whether we realize it or not, that simple rote bit of kindness gets tagged along in our brains as part and parcel of the weapon disarm performance chain. This practice of civility can manifest in street conditions by sheer dint that we have made it part of the training. And as a matter of fact, the more often you train with this little bit of courtesy as the little period on the end of the tactical sentence, the more likely it is to manifest. And if you would doubt this, I'm sure you can dial up more than a few videos of law enforcement officers on camera who disarm an actual weapon under real-life dire circumstances, and then you will be aghast to see them hand the weapon over to the, assail- uh, the assailant. Now, the, the results are harrowing. And uh, by the way, I want to mention, as a policy, I never offer video of real-life suffering. Uh, one, I never want to give a face to scum. Two, one can find enough human suffering online without me gleefully adding to the link. And that's the same thing. Uh, I've seen more than enough in my day, and I'm sure you have as well. So whenever some of you, I know you're meaning it as a kindness, send along the newest piece of security camera footage. I don't look. I'm just done with it. I don't need it anymore. I know what it looks like. No more suffering. So another training scar is offering a partner a hand to get up off the mat during throw or takedown practice. Uh, Another training scar, treating even casual sparring sessions as less than real. That is stopping mid-light contact boxing session, popping out the mouthpiece to discuss your lead hook. You can discuss that hook, but keep your hands up. Keep your eyes on your opponent and step away until you're out of range. Just as with a firearm, treat all combat endeavors as loaded. Safety off. 
Fortunately, training scars are relatively easy to remedy. Examine your drills in the gaps and post-execution phase and eliminate the cognitive downtime. Now, the harder to cope with is task saturation, which is another form of it. The human animal often reacts less than ideally in chaotic or unfamiliar circumstances, hence the importance and value of training for military, law enforcement, combat athletes, etc. Training for chaos with chaos in mind is not a 100% bet that you will perform up to snuff, but it's a nice bit of insurance. So what this means by task saturation, we're, we're, we're very state-dependent. I've, I've shared a story before about something, a uh, sailing training, and how knots can disappear in under uh, harrowing situations. The more, the more permutations we can put something through, the better off we are of uh, that uh, behavior manifesting. Now, task saturation is, in short, being exceptionally focused on your training protocol. That is, uh, we have an operator performing everything perfectly, in perfect order, no matter what. Task saturation is well studied by the military because the nature of military training seats skills so well under so many chaotic circumstances that it will have a higher likelihood of manifesting. Where this can go awry is when one aspect of the hierarchy or checklist is no longer available or ideal, an operator is task saturated, will fixate on completing the task despite its loss of validity and in face of it, bring potential harm to the self. There are many instances of, say, a military helicopter having to ditch, and the ditching checklist is adhered to a bit too closely, making the ditch even hairier. I mean, there's so many studies on this, just getting so focused and saturated on that task, realizing, hey, maybe step three no longer exists, and you've got to move on. But in the midst of that, the training has kicked in, done its job to your detriment. Now, task, uh, task saturation is a tough glitch to overcome, as is its opposite of bad form in training or even training scars. Here, we have an operator slash athlete so well trained that the protocol will not be broken come hell or high water. Task saturation is seldom experienced by good improvisers, folks we would call quick on their feet. We must walk the fine line between being very well trained with an eye on protocol and having an awake eye for when the protocol or aspects of it need to be tossed. Now, the military attempts to thwart task saturation by varying task and programming scenarios and training where the protocol must be scrambled. That is forcing improvisation upon us. I mean, now, this is wisdom. There is a similar concept among American Indian warrior training that teaches a lightness or flowing quality to, uh, to stress stimuli. In the Comanche uh, tradition, the catch-all term is wumitul, or it's uh, basically flow. The Wumitul asks us to follow our training, but it also asks us to be eyes open at all times for when the battle plan must be adjusted or abandoned altogether. Wumitul is inculcated as uh, the modern military instructs its warrior elite. There's chaotic training under stress with variables pitched willy-nilly to keep the mind uh, hopping. As a matter of fact, in our, uh, in our street defense program, the, the Outer Limits, with 60-plus you know, drills there, we're trying to do them so you take single aspects of your own personal uh, arsenal or, or, or tactical drill uh, inventory and run them through as many different permutations of unusual stimuli as you can uh, to make sure you're, you can perform under even weird and bizarre are unlikely never to occur circumstances to make sure something will manifest under stress. Well, not make sure, come bring us closer to a certainty. In the Comanche tradition, one such approach to this is uh, to kind of create a kind of a what in, in the mind. And there's an aspect of training called Sarikukeme, which is be a stranger. Now, stay with me. This is a bit different, but under test conditions, it proves quite illuminating. The warrior is given a new name, a new personality. 
new traits even. They're assigned new traits. If you were formerly gregarious, they're telling you to be quiet and taciturn. And opposite, if you were shy, you were instructed, you have to be outgoing and, and, uh, and, and gregarious. You have to be. Even your different clothing is assigned to you, or regalia that he or she would not normally wear. In some cases, no clothing at all. Anything to shake you up, to make sure that you are not you, so to speak. And over the course of, say, a week, I'll refer to the warrior by the new name and the new characteristics. The warrior is to respond thusly and never as themselves. They must take on this new role seriously and embody whatever this new assigned personality is. Now, then they are taken on hunts or engage in mock, mock war sessions as the Gukime and engage in this new identity in all sorts of scenarios. And after a week or so, they become themselves again. And uh, once so many people have been through such a thing, they also say they are themselves, but there's a new aspect of themselves as well. Now, they may be assigned someone entirely new at different points throughout the year. So there's several sessions of the Tsarikukeme. The idea is to find who is the best warrior within you, and it might be many, but if we drop the fuzzy language, there does indeed to be something to this practice. Several studies have shown that the mere act of donning a mask or wearing a costume will alter the way individuals behave and engage with the world. We see this often down in, in Mardi Gras, or Halloween or, or masked balls or anyone who's taken a look at the eyes wide shut scene. And we know that's fiction, but there's many studies that bear out the fact we throw a mask on people. And even though they're still them, they do things a bit differently. Now, we've all witnessed some form of this when we see the button-down guy or gal who dons the macho bike or sexy nun costume in Halloween unless their freak flag fly a little bit. Tsarikukeme takes a well-trained warrior without training scars and may just break task saturation and force improvisational skills by calling on the warrior to be more warrior than one. And perhaps out of the many warriors within, one is a, becomes a mighty fine improviser who gets the task done with or without shortcuts, uh, come hell or high water. We'll be covering even more of this on our, uh, our Wumitu program and uh, uh, the Suaketu program as well. But this kind of gives you a nice little toe in the water. And even if you want to get don't want to get that immersive or esoteric with it, I think you'll find this simple act of not you know picking up the gun and handing over and not helping people up. In other words, being less courteous in the midst of your standard training can go a long way to dropping your own training scars. Well, if you dig what we just discussed today, uh, I'd like to invite you to like and subscribe to the podcast. Hell, support it if you want. I'm not your dad. Do what you want. And if you're a glutton for punishment, uh, just visit our website, extremeselfprotection.com. You'll find links to the blog, all of our products, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more pages of like musics. <laughs>